where we showcase stories of inspiring professionals while highlighting the universal principles of success. Today, I'm joined on the podcast by attorney Isadora Velasquez. Isadora, welcome to the show. Very happy to be here. And by the way, you can call me Isa because I know my name can be a mouthful. Isa, perfect. Well, Isa, I'm, I'm excited about our conversation today. I'm excited about learning about you, your, your passion and your story. For all the podcast listeners, I want them to know a little bit about your background. Attorney Isadora Velasquez is an AV board certified immigration attorney. She was born in Puerto Rico to a Puerto Rican father and Venezuelan mother. She decided at a young age, her career goal would be to assist immigrants who wish to make the U.S. not a dream, but a reality. Isadora has over 10 years of experience in immigration law, representing individuals in removal proceedings, cancellation of removal, asylum, adjustment of status, naturalization, as well as labor certification, intra-company transfer visas, professional visas, and specialty visas. Isa, tell me what inspired you to become an attorney? It's funny because I became an attorney because I thought I liked to fight. So it was something that we've always enjoyed since I was little, that I was always very argumentative. So I figured, okay, let me go to law school. Maybe I'll go into politics. since It's something that I always enjoyed. And in the end, I ended up doing the law of the people, which is immigration law. A bit different from what you see on TV, but definitely much more rewarding. Ah, yes. Well, I appreciate how I imagine that element of fighting can still happen. It just looks different than what people probably associate with being an attorney. Definitely. There's no jury that you have to wrestle-dassle, but you have to impress a judge. Their opposing counsel is always the government. And there's a lot of paperwork involved when it comes to immigration, but it's still fun. It's a different type of fighting, more writing and fighting, but I still enjoy it. All right. And I appreciate that, too, as far as the listeners are able to understand that there's so much versatility in the legal field that, um, you, right, there are the, the kinds you see on TV, but there's so many other options as far as the, the legal arena. Definitely. There's so many options. And that's why you won't even know what you really want to do until you graduate. And then all of a sudden you have to figure it out. And that's what happened. Glad yeah. I did, though. Yes. Now, what do you enjoy most about being an attorney? What I enjoy the most is dealing with people, which is funny because when you are working in a law firm, especially your own law firm, you're trained in a way to delegate and it takes away the human aspect of the law. And attorneys, let's be honest, we don't have the best reputation. And really, we don't have the best reputation because we're used to billing and making tons of money as they see. But when you're dealing with immigration, you do need a lot of uh, human contact and it, it can be draining, but it can also be really rewarding. And that's what I love the most, being with my clients. Mm, yes, yes. The little bit I know about immigration and, and you, hey, you correct me if I'm, if I'm off here, but there's, there's so much of you learning about people's stories, their lives. I mean, you learn really intricate, detailed moments of what's, what's happened to them. And I, can, I imagine that, you know, your, you know, your compassion, your empathy really uh, plays a big role there. 
you hit it on point because that, that applies to maybe dramatic cases like asylum cases, but it can apply to simple cases like family petitions and even employment cases. You would think an investor might not get as personal, but if I want to impress the embassy to get you that visa, I have to get to know you in a deeper level. And I enjoy that aspect. I like it. Yes. I could, I could, I could totally understand how it's, it's, there's a, there's an element of, um, there's a therapeutic element that's involved in what you do in hearing about what people have been through. Sometimes people, again, a little bit I know was that, that many sometimes what people share with the immigration attorney, there's some, like, there can be really dark things that come up. Yes, and there's always the attorney-client privilege, which all attorneys have, meaning everything you should say to your lawyer stays with your lawyer. But when it comes to immigration, we also have been a little bit jaded that you know, don't say anything or we must say a certain thing to get the benefit we're seeking. So with the lawyer, me, I try to tell them, just be yourself like you do. Be yourself and I will guide you as to what the best options may be, depending on who you are and what you've been through. Yes, I like it. I like it. Be yourself. Now, maybe take us a, talk to us a little bit more about choosing immigration. I know you talked about, you know, the, the liking a fight and then advocating or how did that was that an easy thing for you to, to, to change or how did you focus? How did you decide immigration was going to be it? Well, originally when I went to law school, I was uh, aiming more to a career in politics. And then later on, it was interesting. As, as you mentioned in my bio, my mom is Venezuelan, but I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. And I'm very proud of that. But you don't really see or feel the immigrant experience while you're in Puerto Rico. But when I went to school at the University of Miami and I started working in restaurants. And interestingly, that's when I saw what it's like for immigrants in the U.S. in general. And I was surprised because I started mentioning to my mother what I was seeing in my colleagues and my friends. And she shared with me that she went through it, too. I was just too little, too young to notice. That hit me in a way that I just never realized. And it made me definitely want to be an immigration attorney. And I know when it comes to law school, you know, they, they in a way train you to what is more profitable, what is more billable. Immigration is not in that area, but I still find it the most fulfilling out of all the legal realms I could have chosen. Mm. I think it's always special to talk to anybody who describes what they do as fulfilling, much more so as an attorney, but even another layer of depth when, when, it's, when you are seeing somebody, again, like a parent, like, again, you, you, you said... You, where you could visualize my mom was in these people's shoes and I get to serve and elevate people that were just like my mom. I, I imagine that has to be incredibly meaningful for you. Absolutely. Sharing with my mother, of course, I don't tell her details about my client's cases, right. but being able to share with her experiences that because I was a child, I didn't appreciate that she went through. It's amazing for me. Simple things like, you know, we are Hispanic, we're all uh, together, but in Puerto Rico, yes, she was seen differently just by the fact that she was not a U.S. citizen, although we are, we speak Spanish, we all kind of look the same. Uh, I never realized it until I started seeing it in my clients and sharing it with her, and that's when she explained uh, that, yes, she lived through it as well. So, yes, it adds a whole other layer of um, how meaningful it is and how much it makes me love my job even more. Mm, yes, yes. And then what I'm hearing from you, too, is uh, your your respect and admiration for your mom also increases because, you know, uh, in, in the idea of the opposition and challenges that immigrants face, 
without being one, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't know what it's like until you walk with somebody who says, no, Hey, this is what I, here are the challenges I went through. We can assume people, people were like us or, you know, people, you know, had the same experiences, but, but I imagine your respect and admiration for her is only increased with what you do. Absolutely. There's also this stigma. It has come to the point where you said the word immigrant and people immediately assume that you maybe were either going through a rough situation or when in reality, maybe you're just here seeking a better life, not because your life was not good, just simply because you wanted to achieve dreams. And it's interesting to me how we see the word immigrant here in the U.S. and seeing that my mother went through it when I never realized it. It's a funny joke that we have in my family that my mom was the wealthy one and my dad was the gold digger because they always said, oh, you married a Puerto Rican guy to get your papers. When in reality, it was never like that. So being able to explain to my clients how I have that perspective just makes it makes, makes, makes them appreciate that I understand where they're coming from. I really get it, that I know that they are not here, uh, that it's not the soft story. Then in reality, you know, they're here to make the world, the U.S. better. And they really do. I really I have mm, great clients. Yes. I love that. I love that vision. For you, what's been one challenge that you've faced as an attorney that you've overcome? Well, the main, uh, in law school, they teach you the law and you get it and you pass the bar, great. But they don't teach you how to run a business. And I started, of course, working at a, as a state attorney and I actually liked that job. I, I liked being working for the government. And I've noticed that I was stuck and not growing. So when I decided to open my firm, that was the biggest challenge because I love the law and I like practicing law. I don't know how to run a business and there's not a class for it and there's really no guidance and it's difficult to juggle the running a business, hiring people, uh, just growing overall and taking care of your clients. That has been the biggest challenge to the point that I even contacted many law schools being like, you should teach your students how to run a business. I don't know if they'll follow my advice, but that's <laughs> definitely a hurdle. We're doing well, but it was, it was tough. Yes. And I want to highlight what you said there. You said um, where you were, you actually liked what you were doing, but the growth, there was, there was a growth that was, that was missing. I think there's a lesson there for all of our, all of the listeners, whether you're an attorney or not, um, who are, who are listening in and in podcast land. Um, when you're in a job and you notice you're not growing, um, let me encourage you to, to imitate Isa with, uh, with her example, um, where, and, and I, I, I've been in a job like that too, just so you all know, um, but to, to recognize that, have the awareness to see it in your life and to proactively change it. I think that's praiseworthy. And I think we can imitate um, Isa in challenging ourselves to grow. And you, you put yourself in there, Isa, as, as a business owner, as the, well, I guess at least from the sound of it, you know, there was that, that, there was that sink or swim and you had to learn how to swim um, with, uh, again, little, little um, training, at least from the, uh, the academic world. Yes, and it's also, you're also trained to think that everyone's a competition. So it took me a while to realize, no, my best advice is going to come from my colleagues in the same realm that I work on. So it, we're not really the, when you take away, you want to grow, but when you take away the competition uh, adversarial aspect of it, it's actually very helpful. And I think that's part of the reason why we've been so successful. We have a good network of my own colleagues in my own profession and we have each other's back. Yes. It makes a huge difference. Oh, I love that insight. Let's, let's get that to the business owners out there because, because 
similarly, like for me, right. I remember growing up like playing basketball and a mistake by my opponent was good for me. Cause it's like, they lost the ball. Good for Derek. If they missed a shot, good for Derek. And, but it, 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 it did have a negative impact on me until I became aware of it that like, I'm not competing against even people that are competition. I'm not competing against them and they could be my friends and we could help each other. And there's so much um, abundance, right? There's so much abundance to go around. And I, I personally had to overcome that, um, that competition element. People aren't my competition. Let's, let's, let's collaborate instead of compete. Um, But I think you captured that in a, in an eloquent way, but I think every business owner can hear that. What I've seen, Jane, tell me what you've seen, Isa, is one of the, the most precious or the most abundant places to find clients is actually through my competition. My competition have helped with that. What, what have you seen there? Absolutely. What I've noticed is there are, between my competition, my colleagues in the same profession, and I'm in Miami, so you can imagine, you lift a rock and you'll find an immigration attorney. We <laughs> actually support each other to the point that if anyone needs um, a brief to go to court on a specific issue that I've already argued and I won, I want you to succeed because that way we'll succeed together and we'll make it, uh, that issue something national that stays the same. That cooperation has made us all very successful. And you're absolutely right that there's always enough to go around for everyone. And if you work together, you can actually share it even more than by competing with each other or trying to hog it all for yourself. It will backfire. So mm. that took a while to learn. But once I did, definitely worth it. Wow. Wow. That's a great insight. It's a beautiful image to help your competition to succeed as it's, you know, we, we again, in, in our competitive selves, for me, for me, for sure, it's my nature doesn't want them to succeed, but how good it is when they do, when we can all win and we're not against each other. We could be so, again, we could do, to your point about, we could do so much more together. Absolutely. Definitely stronger together. Mm. All right. Now, tell, tell us, Isa, what, what has been the best way to bring new clients to your law firm? Every new law firm out there owner is, 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 is uh, battling that initial question. How do I get clients? How do I retain clients? How do I keep them coming in? What has been the best way that you've discovered um, to bring new clients to your law firm? So it's funny because every business is unique and maybe what some business will rely on SEO or um, if I were to rely on SEO, it's not worth it because it's, I'm competing against a lot of people that have much more money than I do, so I can't do it. And it sounds cheesy and cliche, but the best way to get more clients for us has been word of mouth. So we try to take really good care of not only our clients, but also referral sources who we meet in the community. I admit I'm a big networker. Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy going to events. I try to pick my networking for a cost. Uh, there's some that you do you know, just to get your name out there. But I try to pick things that I know I'm passionate about, like United Way, and maybe I'll do a seminar on immigration. But word of mouth really is the best way for me to not only get more clients, but keep the clients that I have. Take care of them. One um, other cliche that attorneys have is that we're not the best at returning phone calls. I return phone calls, or at least I know I have great staff that helps me because that's essential to do that. By taking care of my people, I get more people. It's inevitable. Mm, wow. Take, take care of people. Um, you get more people, um, great insight. Um, also picking and choosing, um, networking events, um, that you're passionate about. I can see how that's synergizing because you're 
even if it's for a cause, right? You're helping the community simultaneously. It's a great, it's great cause marketing. People associate you. It's not just Isa, the business owner or Isa, the greedy attorney, but it's Isa, the human who's trying to help other humans to create a better place. And I can see how that's really powerful for, uh, for your branding. And networking, networking can be exhausting. I mean, you, you wake up early, you come to work and then you have to lead to network. It can be exhausting. So you have to do it for something you're passionate about. Otherwise it shows and people will know that you don't want to be there. So they are not going to remember you or refer you. if They know you don't want to be there. So that's why I try to pick things that I know I'm passionate about and I want to go and I want to be there. And by having the client say that I took care of them, it just goes hand in hand, works well together. Ooh. All right. Let, let's give a clear challenge to our podcast listeners. If you're a business owner and you don't want to be somewhere, it's probably best that you don't go if you're not passionate. You're probably hurting yourself by going to these networking events that you don't want to be at. Focus on something you're passionate about and that will actually brand you in, the be in a better way instead of actually having some negative branding by being known as somebody who's the grumpy guy or grumpy gal at the event who doesn't even want to be there. I was known as the girl who would stay next to the food and wouldn't talk to anyone. So I changed that. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that insight. Um, what advice would you offer someone just starting their career as an attorney? Well, as an attorney, and I would dare say, uh, I would jump to conclusions here, another in any profession, staffing is essential. When you're starting your job, you think, okay, I'm going to, you know, keep the overhead low and maybe whatever money I make, I'm just going to keep or save. And that makes sense, maybe. But eventually, you need to hire people. It's the only way to grow. I think we all have businesses in our, and want to grow, for law firms at least. If the lawyer's the one that does everything, great, you're keeping all the money. You're never going to make that much money if you're the only one doing everything. If you're the only one answering the phone, if you're the only one sending the letters or filing the applications, going to court, it's impossible. You're going to miss very valuable, great clients, and you're also not going to have enough time, and you're going to be miserable. That's something that actually took me a really long time to figure out because I was frugal and I thought, okay, I want the, the business to grow. And I always thought I was not ready. And I've noticed uh, this could be like having a child. Are you ever ready to have a child? You just do it. So <laughs> you just hire people. You have to take the leap, do it, and it makes a huge difference. The point that I now I'm struggling to hire more because I know we would be even more efficient for our clients if we had more people. So hiring, that would be my advice for anyone, any law student, you want to open your business, hire, hire people to help you. Wow. Now that's, that's great. Um, that is great information. And, and you, you captured it too. Um, especially those of us who grew up from non-privileged backgrounds where fr being frugal was elevated and important, we can easily think that we want to save money by not hiring but, but to your point what 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 actually happens is we're saving money kind of but what's actually happening is you're stunting your ability to make more money while you're trying to save money so um because um one person can't do everything and um in your main money making activities if you're not spending more and more time there and you're spending time doing a bunch of other administrative things then uh, by definition, you're stunting your capacity to, to make money. 
was actually losing money by not having people. I, I, I had cases that I was missing because no, nobody would answer the phone because I was in court. I had, and then I was grumpy. And clients notice when you're grumpy and you're mean to them and it's not their fault, but I would take it out on somebody and sometimes it was the client. So, of course, the clients don't want to be with a grumpy attorney. Hiring is huge. That's my biggest advice. Yes. And let me ask you a, a, a sub-question underneath this topic, which is, how did you, uh, what's been the best way to find people? So I think that's, that's the other question because uh, sometimes attorneys will hear this and go, oh yeah, hire people. But, but hiring the wrong person or wrong people can be just as expensive as not hiring anybody. But what's been, what's been your, uh, what have you found that's worked for you as far as uh, finding good people? Well, that's where my colleagues have been great because when I started the firm, the first thing I did was ask them, who do you guys recommend? Who should I hire? And immediately, they jumped in and gave me recommendations as who to call, uh, how much to pay. And that was, that was huge for me because, of course, they know people looking for jobs, maybe somebody who applied, and they couldn't take them. I would take them. Now, lately, of course, it's becoming a little bit more difficult to find people where the job description becomes essential. And even simple websites like Indeed, if you have a good job description and you're clear as to what you want, you might be able to find a good candidate. But you have to be clear, and that, I must confess, took me a really long time to be clear as to what I was looking for. Lastly, you have to pay. It's I, Going back to being frugal, you know, we want to save because we want our business to grow. We think that's the best way to go. But to get the talent that won't scare away that client, you have to pay. Mm, wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to re, re, uh, highlight that quote you just said. To get the talent that won't scare away the clients, you have to pay. That's good. That's yep. good. That's great insight. Um, perfect. Now, uh, tell us, so everybody who's listening in, 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 in the podcast world, if, if there was anything they can do to support your law firm, to support you, what would that be for them? Well, for us, as I mentioned, like I try to pick things that I'm passionate about. And lately, uh, my biggest passion when it comes to immigration on our firm has been misinformation because people see the caravanas, as we call them in Spanish, coming from uh, Central America and they think, oh, that's it, that's immigration. Or even people coming in these caravanas, they're coming because there's big misinformation. So what we are looking for is for people who help can help us get rid of this misinformation. We're trying to educate people as to something as basic as asylum law, which is actually really complicated, to maybe other options that are available. People risk their lives, literally, to come to this country, and they don't know that maybe they could have applied for an investor visa and come here and open a business, and maybe there's other options. So we're looking for people that can give us avenues. Uh, we try to do some media, but anyone that can give us avenues like you, which I would appreciate, um, help us spread the word as to the law is there. How can it work for them uh, instead of hurting them later on? I just want to keep people safe, and this information is huge. Mm, wow, I, I I feel motivated, and I'm I, to um to uh, be a part of that solution. And and podcast listeners, if there's if, if there's some way somehow you can share her message, whether that's on her her Instagram page or if that's um, emailing them the links to this to this episode, so you, you so people more people can hear her passion her insight and her, her willingness to want to help to clarify and, um, and to make it clear to, again, to, to get rid of the misinformation, but to add a information that actually helps. 
Correct. We just want to make pe- make sure people know about it. So that's why we we try to go and spread the word. But you know, sometimes you have a certain amount of time. So I'm here. I use me as a resource because that's what I'm looking for. Mm, yes. Now, the final question I have for you um, for today is: What are your what are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? So you know how I mentioned staffing is huge, and I've been incredibly blessed that I've had the same office administrator, paralegal. In fact, I consider her my business partner since we opened the firm. Um, my my office administrator, her name is Alina. I think you met her via email. And my, her qualities, I mean, I can spend hours telling you how great she is. She has attention to detail. But my favorite quality is her patience because she has to be patient with me, of course, uh, which is already tough because attorneys are interesting. And she also has to be patient with the client. She's patient with my staff, of course, and we've grown and we have other people working. She's the one that manages it. And sometimes I wonder, how does she do it? And when I look at her, I notice it's her patience. Uh, it's something that I admit I'm working on. I lack. So it's something I can't help but admire in her, along with many other amazing qualities. But that's the main one. Mm, her patience. And I think well, you're giving us a lesson by example about appreciating the existing talent that you have and elevating them on a platform like this. You know, it's always, I think about um, your staff and to think about you building them up when they're not in the room in a setting like this, I think, hey, this is, this is the kind, this, th- that behavior you just displayed is, the, is what every person wants their boss to say, right? If, 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 my, if, if, if somebody has a boss out there, you, you want your boss to be able to think about how much they admire you appreciate you and respect you for qualities that you have, especially if the boss doesn't have them. But I think you just illustrated, you know, you illustrated that perfectly as far as being the kind of leader who um, has immense admiration and respect for your people. And similarly, I think every boss should definitely take the time to look at their team. And if you don't admire them, they shouldn't be part of their team. That's it. Oof. Okay. <laughs> Dro- dropping the, 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 the knowledge and dro- dropping the truth like that. I like it. I like it. Perfect. Well, Isa, I want to say thank you for spending time with me on the podcast today. I, I-, I learned a lot. And I think what people, when people listen to this episode, I think they're going to be enlightened and-, and nourished by your knowledge, your passion. And I think, you- I think you'll, have a new- um, um, you'll have a number of new fans um, because of uh, who you are and, and how you, uh, you represent yourself and your brand. Well, I give you full credit. Thank you so much for inviting us. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And thank you for all that you do. Whenever we need that inspiration, we know we can count on you. Thank you. All right. Podcast listeners, we want to say this episode is sponsored by Strong Life Scholars, whose mission is advancing Latinas in high-end professions, education, and community impact. Thank you to, to, to you, our precious listeners, for tuning in to another episode. Be sure to go over to the Apple Podcast app and give us the five-star review. Remember to subscribe and we'll connect with you on the next episode. Thank you.